Well, welcome to Odyssey Church. If you're new here, my name is Sergio, one of the pastors here. We are delighted that you are here. We're in this um, hashtag series that we've suspended over the last couple of weeks due to just talking about Pentecost and times in Acts. And then last week, Jimmy, Jimmy and I had a fabulous conversation. Who was, who was here last week? What did you guys think? Was it... It's, um, it's getting more and more dangerous for me to invite people on stage because um, it just kind of diminishes my, you know, superiority <laughs> complex. Um, that is not funny. <laughs> but I'm super, 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 super excited for uh, what's coming up. And Jimmy, Jimmy already sent me the, the uh, set of notes for the next time that he wants to come and talk. <laughs> so we'll be transitioning from pastors, from me to Bishop Jimmy. Um, <laughs> but I would encourage you guys to check it out. I really would. But uh, so we've suspended this hashtag series over the last couple of weeks. And this week, today, we are back in full swing. And we are going to talk about a subject that is very high on the radar in our culture. And it is hashtag homosexuality. So... So a couple, a couple of uh, things that if you have kids, uh, I'm not going to be talking about like, like detailed, detailed stuff, but I am going to be using words and, and reading some stuff that's, uh, that's in the Bible. And, um, you know, if you have not spoken to your child about certain of the, these things, uh, you have a few minutes, a minute actually, 10 seconds to um, uh, just kind of be with them and then you can watch it on um, online that we'll post. But the real question is, I mean, I'm ready. Are you? Are you, are you guys really ready to tackle hashtag homosexuality uh, in 2019? So let me, uh, before I start, let me pray. God, you are a good God, and we are thankful that you love us, and that you lead us, and that you guide us, and that you show yourself and reveal yourself in our lives, Father. And I, I, just, I just pray, God, that... Um, that we hear this morning what we need to hear this morning, Father. Maybe I'll say some things that may prick at the heart. Maybe I'll say some things wrong, God. And I just ask that you just, through my flaws, through my speaking uh, ability, God, that you communicate the truth with love that you want to and are going to communicate to each one of our hearts. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, how many of you um, are personally connected to someone who, um, who has identified as gay or lesbian or homosexual? Um, maybe in your family, in your work, um, maybe your neighbor. Uh, see, see your hands again? All right. That's, that's pretty much why we're talking about this issue. Because it affects uh, every one of us. And uh, we know in, what, 2015, uh, same-sex marriage was legalized. And um, there's a lot of activity that has been happening um, around this topic. This is not a new topic, but it has surfaced as a topic for our culture. And, um, and just like with most hot topics, um, as culture talks about it, it swells. It, things get legalized. Things get put ahead of everything else to kind of appease the culture, more or less. Um, and so a lot of times, people with, with things like this, sensitive topics, uh, people have a hard time communicating 
um, truth with love. And so what I, before I say anything about this topic, I just want to kind of talk to you. If you're, if you're struggling with this or if you know someone and maybe you've heard, um, heard some truth, maybe the, the, some of the things that I will repeat, but you heard it in a way that's not compassionate. I just want to apologize for that. I think that um, we all need to do a, a better job in communicating and loving people who are not like us. Um, and we're all different, and we all have different things. And sometimes whenever we are so confident in what we believe, we tend to not do it in a compassionate way. And so I just hope that if you, if you don't hear anything else, or if you disagree with everything or anything that I say, that you really hear my heart personally, that, that you are loved, no matter what you're going through, no matter how you identify, and you will always be welcomed here, and this will be a safe place for you. Um, It's really, really important that you really hear that um, because, like I said, this touches all sorts of, all sorts of nerves and things um, in our life. Um, but just like we talked about abortion a couple weeks ago, it was legalized in 1973. There was a major cultural shift, and a lot of people thought that that's it. We're done with this topic, but, but there has been conversation, and this thing has not been settled for like the last almost 50 years. And so right now, culture is changing again, and it's shifting. And the millennial generation is considered to be the most pro-life generation ever. And so a lot of, um, a lot of uh, even companies are pulling back from uh, funding uh, organizations like Planned Parenthood that are primarily um, uh, the places that people to go for treatments, but a lot of it, the majority of it, is for abortions. And so companies like, like for example, Ford, I believe, pulled funding from, from Planned Parenthood and a lot of these um, big businesses, for them, it's not a matter of whether they believe in it or not, or all of a sudden the company Ford is like, oh yeah, you know, we were pro-life. No, they're, they're, they're evaluating the culture and they're acting accordingly that would make financial sense to them. And so we have to be aware of what's going on. And, and just as abortion um, has been and is, is going to continue to still be a, a conversation that's, that may offend people and, you know, um, a conversation that we have to come at really gently and be very considerate um, of the topic and who we're talking about and the content. Uh, this is another one of those really, really sensitive um, topics that could be easily, easily misunderstood. So my first point, just to kick things off, um, is I want to talk about this thing that I called EOE. And you may have heard of it, but it is the easily offended epidemic. <laughs> the E... O-E. <laughs> those who are guided by feelings are those who will get easily offended. And so, you, I don't know if you're sitting here or if you're watching, but maybe you're already offended because we're talking about homosexuality in the church. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> and our culture right now, they approve if you approve of homosexuality. And they give you the freedom to communicate that. Even if you, even if you, you know, come and take biblical basis to try to argue that homosexuality, that homosexuality is normal and it's actually affirmed by Scripture, our culture will applaud you. But if you oppose to the idea, then they will shun you and they will bully you. And that is not how we need to talk about highly sensitive and controversial um, things. Um, so the first question that I want to kind of like have us ask ourselves it, is that 
first of all, it never should be, is this offensive? The first, con the first question that we should be asking is, is it true? Is it true? Then we must realize that truth can sometimes be offensive. Have I lost anyone so far? <laughs> Jesus is all about truth as much as he is about love, about grace, about freedom, about forgiveness, and about hope. And so we need to adjust our offense to fit the truth instead of adjusting our truth to fit our offense. That is very, very, thank you very, thank you very much. But that is, um, that, is, that is very, very important because in every relationship, this topic, um, we will not all agree. And, and just show of hands, who in here agrees with everything that I say every single weekend? Every, oh. All right. I'll give you guys 20 bucks later. <laughs> well played, well played. So I want this morning to kind of start off on the right foot because in every relationship there will be differences and disagreements. And we will oppose, um, our, we, will, we, we, we will have opposing viewpoints, but love doesn't mean that I embrace and agree with these differences or disagreements or feelings or opinions. And just because a person can change their view on one topic or another doesn't mean that your friend or your parents or your siblings will. So the question is not, should we ever disagree and have different opinions? The, the, the real question is, in light of our differences, how do we sustain our relationship? How do we talk? How do we go about life? Whether we communicate about them or not, but how, how do we move away from our you know, disagreements? And there are certain topics, it's as if like you cannot disagree, or you're intolerant, you're a bigot, you're a homophobic, you're a hater. And I, I would love for us to apply those labels on all the things that we disagree with. But we don't do that, because we want the freedom to disagree with you, and you want the freedom to disagree with me. Um, so this idea, this word that keeps getting thrown around in our culture is tolerance. And tolerance used to mean that we could disagree, but we should not disrespect. Now tolerant mean, uh, tolerance means that if you disagree, then you disrespect. And we cannot have any conversation. And if you, if you think like that, you will be offended at anything and everything that I say that disagrees with you. And, and that's a hard life to live. That's a lot of pressure, a lot of burden to carry. Um, so my heart is not to be right or to claim to be right. My heart is to just open up a dialogue, open up a conversation, and be able to just uh, have a conversation about something that is very uh, hot and, and sensitive. And the, the thing is this, that we plan to do this, do this hashtag, and it just so happened to fall on June, uh, where, where we sell, where we're just Pride Month, basically, in our culture, that we celebrate um, homosexuality, and, and everybody's really, really loud and in your face about it. And, um, and so some, you know, some people rejoice with that and other people, um, because they disagree with it, um, it's, it's, it really is impacting where they go, where they shop. Um, and so you know, there are hurts, people hurt people, no matter whether you're a homosexual, a Christian, a Muslim, no matter what. There's some people that maybe you just need to cut out of your life. 
Uh, may they just may be toxic overall. Um, but this, this, this conversation is getting more and more serious, and, I, and, and quite frankly, it's, it's risky to talk about it at church, because if we don't, if the church does not disintegrate after this Sunday, then we can talk about anything we really want. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And our culture is, is, is shifting. Um, in Canada, they are, uh, they are ahead in this, in this topic. And, and, um, and there's a pastor in Canada just recently, within a couple of weeks, who got arrested for preaching against homosexuality. Um, that's, that's the reality of, of the, how sensitive this topic is. And so I'm not saying anything about homosexuals or this or, or that. I'm, just, I'm just, just letting you know the, the, how hot this topic is and how, how you know, how we have to be, be, be very careful how we communicate um, or, or, or talk about these things. And so, and I want to really do that. And, and my goal is not to be politically correct. Um, I, I just want to be correct. Um, let's see here. There's, I got so much notes. And I'm going to be sitting because I have a lot to unpack and I want to get into a lot of scripture. And we'll, we'll read a ton of scripture. So, and we're just going to go until the, the clock runs out. And so if you have a pen, paper, your tablet, your phone... Take it out. There's going to be a lot of a lot of scripture because I want to talk about homosexuality. Um, I want to talk about worldviews, and I actually really want to talk about what scripture actually says, and not just talk vaguely about this topic. Um, all right. So, homosexuality. There, are, and and a lot. I I've researched almost day and night what I'm talking about today. So I don't come at, don't, don't come, I'm not coming at this really lightly or just kind of like throwing words around, but I study a lot of different people. And so one guy that I just want to quote from the get-go is, his name is uh, Sam um, Elbury. And he, he has been attracted to same sex his whole life. And he, and he shares his insight into the current debate over sexual identity. And he talks about different elements that, that are about that consists within the homosexuality. And there's a lot of details. Like, like if you guys ever studied this topic, you know that there's no way I could even scratch the surface to, to dissect all that is involved. It's a very uh, detailed and complicated subject. So, so I'm, I'm going to be very, very selective on what I talk about. But the three basic things that I want to focus on today is with homosexuality, there's this attractions, this um, same-sex attraction and orientation. And it's something that, uh, that is said that we discover that. We don't just wake up one day and say, hey, this is what I'm going to, who, who I'm going to love. So it's that kind of um, an approach. And Sam Elbury, that, that, this is his experience, and let me quote him. He says, when I describe myself as same-sex attracted, what I'm saying is that the only sexual desires and feelings I have ever experienced are toward other men rather than women. I'm not justifying those desires or seeking to validate them. The Bible, says, uh, the Bible says that as sinners, all of our desires are disordered. So it's actually the case that all of us are fallen and broken in our sexuality. For most, that uh, fallenness will be manifested in an opposite sex direction. For me and not a few other believers, it is seen in same-sex attraction. So you have a guy who's actually a pastor and, um, and an author, and uh, he's, he's, uh, he's in this um, you know, lifestyle, or he's just, he has these attractions, um, and so he's kind of speaking out and shedding some light on it. He continues, some wonder how it's possible to be a Christian 
and yet experience these things? My answer is that any inappropriate desire is a, for, is a form of temptation that needs to be fought. Temptation is different to sin. So what he's basically saying is that same-sex attraction, that's what it is. It's, um, it's one of those things where you, where you are attracted to same sex, and, and, and then you have to figure out how do I walk with this. And maybe next week we can dive into that because that is a whole, it opens up a whole nother conversation. But for today, I just want to continue into the second element of homosexuality, and that is the actions. So we have the attractions. The second portion is the actions. And the reality is that homosexual or heterosexual, we would all agree that we choose our behaviors. And see, and I'm going to, one more quote from him. He says, Jesus tells us, to pray, we'd be delivered from temptation, but be forgiven for our sin. Temptation itself is not sin. It is striking that the Bible nowhere promises that temptation will be completely removed in this life. Simply that God will enable us to stand faithfully under it. And I love his heart and I love his approach. To me, it makes a lot of sense um, to look at it this way. And we'll get into it some more of this here in a second. So that the second one is actions. What do we do with our temptations, with our um, desires? The third is identity. And this is, this is where the, 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 a lot of what we see, the movement in our culture, and basically is you step from uh, having attraction to begin, you begin to act out. And then once you act out, you assume this identity. And, and that is actually probably the most scariest part to be because now... Our identity and our sense of worth and fulfillment is found in our sexual identity. And so we have placed our sexuality above everything else to guide us. Um, but people, and this is where we are as a culture. So to me, clarifying those three elements distinguishes even how you talk to people and, and who is on which part of their journey. Um, because we, we all know that everybody has an agenda. Every businessman has, a, has, a, has an agenda. The churches have an agenda. They just want to reach people for Jesus. They want their churches to be filled. Um, they want to be able to pay their staff. They want to be able to reach the world. Um, they have an agenda. Some people have ill agenda. They just want to get wealthier. They manipulate, you know. Um, but everyone, you know, uh, has an agenda. Um, we're getting ready to, you know, step into our election year next year. And all, every candidate has an agenda. And so they, they learn how to say things a certain way, but at the end they have a goal and they have an agenda to move forward. And, and you know, just to get off right away, is homosexuality and the movement also has an agenda. And they have had an agenda for years, for decades. And so um, anything and everything from, from how it's being communicated, how it's being normalized, how um, you, you, you actually have uh, the reflection in, in entertainment, uh, leans on a better relationships, those who are gay relationships in, in sitcoms and TVs and movies than those who are Christian. When was the last time you saw a really solid Christian guy in, you know, in a role in a, in a movie of some sort? You really don't. You don't. So, so there's a, there is an agenda, and if we don't see an agenda, um, then we are just oblivious to what's going on. And not just like these deeper things, but every um, advertisement has, a, has an agenda. Every gym and CrossFit and Arab, they all have an agenda. <laughs> no, Galen is refusing to be honest. It's all right, Galen. Truth, 
truth over anyways um, but but we all do and and just because someone says they have an agenda that doesn't it's not a bad thing it just means that they have a goal and and some of the things you can't say here's our goal and then try to to go at it but there's an underlining plan people have three five-year ten-year plans and so you know wh while we're solving you know serving ourselves people are at work doing stuff to see their agenda become reality and so then we wake up one day and everything's changed and we're like how in the world did this happen there was an agenda there was there was goals there were goals and people were moving the needle forward and and so and that's also the case with with um, with homosexuality and is anybody offended yet Okay, I just, I, just, I just want to kind of lay it all out there just in the beginning so that I'm not hiding anything. Like, um, there's not, you know, my agenda for today um, is to just kind of communicate the biblical principles and to begin to, to start conversations. And you know what? And I forgot to mention this, but can we pull up the slide with our, uh, the text 97,000? I want to take questions uh, and invite even people, uh, you know, to talk about this a little further in the next week. And, you know, and we'll see whether we'll do it for a week or two. Um, so so if, you, if you are new here and you're, you've never signed up to our texting, just um, text Odyssey to 97,000. And once you're in the system, you can actually use this number to text in your questions. So if you have a question that you're thinking right now, just text it in. And throughout the week, if something comes up, text your question in. And, and we'll try to answer um, some of the questions maybe that we don't address here. Probably we won't address here either because there's a lot. So... All right, you guys with me? So you can leave that up for a second. Um, Worldviews. Um, every worldview, every person has a source of authority. We all submit to something. And so because we, all, we have a source of authority, we have to, we have to define what kind of worldview we, we are living in. Because based on this worldview, we have certain presuppositions. And a presupposition is a belief that we start with. So even with this topic, if you have a couple of presuppositions, then we will even from the beginning, we will never even agree on, on, on anything that I say because we need to establish what is our worldview first. And so um, there's two presuppositions pre, uh, uh, that I want to kind of tackle. The first one is this, a presupposition that there is no God. And in our culture, that is one of the realities right now. There's, People who don't believe that there is a God. So anything goes because there's no basis of morality or a moral code. And so this is where we get to where all opinions are equal. And you cannot dictate your morality on me. You cannot tell me that what I'm doing is right and I cannot dictate it on you. And so in each culture, in each time setting, there are certain things that are right or wrong. And this is a whole debate if you really get into it. So I'm, I'm going to spare you guys this morning from that. But, but it basically says that, that there's a view that there is no God, so we decide our morality. And then the other view basically says there, there is a God, and he assigns morality. He's the author of, of mora morality. And morality is a system of understanding which helps us to define right and wrong. Um, and so we are making a judgment call when we say that this is right and this is wrong, and we have a worldview and a source of authority that makes us feel like what we're saying is, is true. Like, I believe that this is wrong, I believe that this is right. Where, how do you know? Who told you? Um, so, we're making absolute statements, and they are not subjective. And this is the other thing with, with trying to have a conversation with someone, is people basically say that everyone's, you know, everyone's view and opinion is valid, and so you cannot say you're right, and I cannot say that I'm right or wrong, but then I'm telling you all of these truths. And so it's a very 
confusing conversation. Um, but there are, and I like Ravi Zacharias talks about this. He says there's three cultures in relationship to absolute. There's three kinds of cultures. Now, the first one, and, I, and I'm dubbing this God, group, or gut. This is like my Ukrainian American slang language. He says it a little more, a little more intellectually. So for my, my, you know, my thing is like, okay, well, God is, um, God exists, and He is the source, right? He says um, that view, that culture is called a theonomous culture. It's basically governed by God, subject to God's authority. Everyone holds the same morals. All laws are self-evident and ingrained in the heart. That is America. No, it's not. It's definitely not. Okay, so we can move away that God is not the source of our authority in America. And just from the get-go, we can see how the conversation that we're having is going to start off on the wrong foot right away. Second cultural uh, relationship to absolute is group census, tribal or, or na national. And Ravi says this is called a heteronomous, uh, um, heteronomous culture. Basically means that the main stream of the culture is dictated by the leadership on the top. So you have presidents and, and people who, who write law. Um, and in reality, we have elements of that in our culture, but that is not how we decide morality and absolute truth in, in our life. And then the third thing is gut, and he, and he calls it the, autonomy, the uh, autonomous culture. Basically says that it's self-law. Each person determines their own moral uh, prerogative, uh, pre, uh, prerogative and their experiences and the choices. And I think we all would agree that right now this is where our culture is. We just go by the gut. We, we basically say this is what I feel is right, and so it's right to me, it may be wrong to you, don't tell me about my thing, and I won't tell you about your thing. But if we, once we identify that, we can talk about that because there's a lot of inconsistency there, inconsistencies there. But to even take this a little further, if we could all agree that there is a God, and, and I think it's kind of, there's, you know, people can call it different things, but in reality, we all know that abuse is wrong right like abuse is wrong it doesn't matter what time you live in what period what 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 nation you're part of which group how small whether where, where your location is we all could agree that um uh that abuse is wrong murder is wrong we could all agree so so the, the real question is like who gave us those universal laws how do we all universally can agree on those things and so the the the, the saying is that there is a god and he has implanted his law in each of our hearts that we suppress and because of sin, the sinful nature, we don't, we're not submitted to his law. But say, for example, you get to the point where you're like, you know what? There is a God. But then there's a next hurdle that if God is there, God has given us his voice in written word, and it becomes authority for all things. The second presupposition is that God and his word are not clear or authoritative. So people can go around and say, I believe in God, God is my savior, all this other stuff. But then when you open up the Bible, they're like, well, you know who wrote that, right? Men wrote that. And so now they don't really, now they don't, there is no authority. They don't have an authority in scripture. So they may still believe in God, but now if you bring up scripture, if you, if you, if you try to address anything scripture-wise, it's going to fall to deaf ears because their authority is not found in scripture. And people don't accept scripture as the main and highest authority in our culture. And it is, it's actually bled into churchgoers, where many churchgoers don't look at 
the scripture and God's spoken word and written word as the main authority in their lives. And so I believe in God, but the Bible is not clear or it's not really authoritative in our lives. So what is your authoritative voice for morality and or truth? That is a question that we have to ask ourselves and say, where do we go to, to where we can say, this is, this is where I get my truth and my morality from. Um, clarity. And this clarity comes uh, in our culture, like the Bible is not clear about it, in a lot of ways, and we're going to talk about it today, uh, but basically it says that homosexuality, that homosexuality is wrong in one chapter, but then blending fabrics is wrong in the next chapter. So why do you pick and choose what you believe? Who's ever heard that before? Like, like yeah, I don't know. You, you, you're picking and choosing what kind of salad you want. So, but the result is that if there is no God and his word is not authoritative or clear, we get three things that I just want to kind of nail in and then we're going to get to the, to the meat of this. That we really get relative morality. So it's all subjective. We also get relative truth. There is no source of truth. We all define and make our own truth. And now we see this coming more and more to light is that we have relative reality where people are claiming one thing and they're creating their own reality and saying, no, this is who I am, this is what I am, this is what I'm struggling with, and, and so define me in this way, and now I'm going to project onto you my reality and force you to come alongside my reality. And we see this in our culture, that you can't really talk about morality, you can't talk about truth, and you can't even talk about reality anymore. But there is a God. He is the source of objective morality. He, it comes from Him, comes from His character. God is what connects humanity because he is our creator. This is the single most connecting force that we have as humans. Whichever, whatever we believe, whatever our struggles are, is that we have the same maker, the same creator. And this is why we honor each and every human being because we're made in God's image. So we don't have the right to devalue any human being. So God, that, that is like something that God's like fun, fundamentally, you do not have the right to bully and, and, um, and, and dominate humanity. When, 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 G, when, when, when Jesus, uh, when God told Adam and Eve, he didn't tell them to dominate one another. He told them to, to have dominion over creation, not over each other. So, um, scripture, is authority, is, scripture is authoritative and clear. So for me, um, this is where I stand. I, I really believe, and our church believes, that God is God and He is real. And that He has spoken the written word through people, but He's so powerful that He even uses flawed people to get His message across. So from that worldview, everything else that I'm going to say is going to come from. So if you disagree with everything that I said thus far, there's a good chance that you will disagree with what I'm getting ready to say. So let's begin. And I know it's already 1147. This is insane. So Genesis 19, and it's going to be up on the screen. Some people say that scripture is not clear. So what I want to do is there are six passages that I want to read and, and talk about, and we'll get to whatever we get to. So Genesis 19. I'm going to go fast 
So uh, read with me, or you can look it up at home for sure. Okay. Before they went to bed, the men of the city of Sodom, both young and old, and the whole population surrounded the house. They called out to Lot and said, where are the men who came to you, to, came to you tonight? Send them, out so, um, send them out to us so we can have sex with them. Lot went out to them at the entrance and shut the door behind him. He said, don't do this evil, my brothers. Look, I've got two daughters who haven't been intimate with a man. I'll bring them out to you, and you can do whatever you want to them. However, however, don't do anything to these men because they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of the way, they said, adding, this one came here as an alien, but he's acting like a judge. Now we'll do more harm to you than to them. They put pressure on Lot and came to break down the door. But the angels reached out and brought Lot into the house with, him, with them and shut the door. They struck the men who were at the entrance of the house, both young and old, with blindness. So they were unable to find the entrance. Then the angels said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, a son-in-law, your sons and daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of this place, for we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people is so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So this is like the one that a lot of people have heard talking about that, that Haram and Gomorrah were destroyed because of homosexual practices. But there's an argument that says that this was not consensual or a monogamous homosexual relationship. This was like a forced sex uh, rape type of a situation. So this is gang rape. So God did not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of homosexuality. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because they were inhospitable and it was this force, this brute force of gang rape. And, and so that is true. But there's also true that there is a part of homosexuality in it, and there's a few passages that talk about it. In Ezekiel 16, 49 and 50 says this, Now this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, plenty of food, and comfortable security, but did not support the poor and needy. And they were haughty and did detestable acts before me. So I removed them when I saw this. And so, so people will, will, will use this and say, uh, see, this, this talks about that they were pride, they had plenty of food, they were comfortable security, but they didn't support the poor and the needy, so God destroyed them. And on the surface, it sounds like, okay, yeah, that, that, that's exactly what, is, what, it says, uh, what it says in Ezekiel. But, but then the other portion of it is that really that God is going to destroy a city because they don't support the poor or the needy. When Sodom was destroyed, homosexuality was one of the aspects of its wickedness. Jude 1.7 says this, Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns committed sexual immorality and perversions and serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. So sexual immorality does not exclude homosexuality. It actually includes all form of sexual immorality and and so i think you know this is in the old testament this is in in genesis uh we, we kind of see it there's th two more verses in the old testament the second one is Le Le um, Le leviticus 18 verses 6 through 23 you are not to come near any close rel relative for sexual intercourse i am the lord you are not to violate the intimacy that belongs to your father and mother she is your mother you must not have sexual intercourse with her 
You are not to have sex with your father's wife. She is your fa- for your father's family. You are not to have sexual intercourse with your sister, either your father's daughter or your mother's, whether born at home or born elsewhere. You are not to have sex with her. You are not to have sexual intercourse with your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, for they are your family. Verse 11, you are not to have sexual intercourse with your father's wife's daughter, who is adopted by your father. She is your sister. You are not to have sexual intercourse with your father's sister. She is your father's close relative. You're not to have sexual intercourse with your mother's sister. For you, and this goes on and on. You are not to marry her, your son's daughter, or your, your daughter's daughter, and have sex with her. They are close relatives. It is depraved. You are not to marry a woman as a rival to your sister and have sexual intercourse with her during her sister's lifetime. You are not to approach a woman during her menstrual impurity to have sexual intercourse with her. You are not to have sexual intercourse with your daughter. This, I'm telling you, this like all these, you are not to sleep with a man, at, and then it goes to verse 21. You are not to sacrifice any of your children in the fire of Molech. Do not profane the name of your, uh, of your God. I am the Lord. Verse 22, you are not to sleep with a man as with a woman. It is detestable. You are not to have sexual intercourse with any animals, defiling yourself with it. A woman is not to pr- uh, present herself to an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. So the question is, which one of these do we really want to pluck out? and say, this does not translate to today. Do you see how we are good with all of them, except the one where it talks about, you are not to sleep with a man as with a woman. It is detestable. Third, Leviticus 20.13. If a man sleeps with a man as with a woman, they have both committed a detestable act. They must be put to death. The death is their own fault. So a lot of the conversation is that this was not, you know, a mutual, consensual relationship. This was forced. But then in Leviticus 20.13, it says, if a man sleeps with a man as with a woman, they have both committed a detestable act. So this really hammers the point that this issue is about gender. It's about two of the same genders who are not allowed to be sexually active together. And it's, it's this, this Leviticus passage talks about consensual agreement. Because right now the language is like, well, rape and force and, 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 and abuse is, is not what we're for. We're actually talking about having real relationships between adults. And so the Bible doesn't speak on it. And we just read it in Leviticus that it really that it really does. So the question then is, um, do we follow Old Testament law? Now, because Leviticus 19.19 says this, you are to keep my statues. Do not crossbreed two different kinds of your livestock. Sow your fields with two kinds of seed or put in garment made of two kinds of material. And they'll be like, look, this is also in Leviticus. Are you keeping this law? Or Deuteronomy 22.11, do not wear clothes made of both wool and linen. Who's heard this before too? Matthew 22 is really interesting because they were asked Jesus, teacher, which command, which command in the law is the greatest? In verse 20, 37, he says to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and the most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, all of the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Who's Who's, who's, who knows what this story is, right? This is like Jesus. What's crazy is that Jesus is actually quoting Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And he also quotes Leviticus 
18, which says, Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So we see that just because we're in a New Testament, that the Old Testament laws don't just disappear because Jesus came and he's like, you know, the blue-eyed, long-haired sheep hugger. I mean, right, this is, this is what we get. So, so then, and then it, this goes, what about tattoos? Or, or the part where a woman, you know, a, a woman who has a period, she's unclean. And if the, if the husband has sex with her while she isn't, you know, has her period, then he's also unclean and they cannot worship. So how do we know which laws apply and which don't? So I, I really want to dissect this, this part. Oh, man, this is a long. I asked you guys if you were ready. Okay. I just want to, I want to clear this up, whether I go into the New Testament or not today, because this is going to hopefully make a few things clear. In the Old Testament, there are considered three major laws. There is ceremonial laws, there is judicial and civil laws, and then there are moral laws. So ceremonial laws are the custom of the nation or statues, like Leviticus 19 and 19. These laws seem to focus uh, on their attention on God, but they include instructions on regaining right standing with God. So they have performed ceremonies, sacrifices, um, and, they, and they work on remembering the things that God has done. So th- under this law is when it, when it talks about, you know, if a woman has a period, don't have sex with her because she's unclean, and then you'll also be unclean and you cannot worship. So, so the reason that's in there, because that is a law that we are not to follow, it's gross, can we say that? But... Um, <laughs> No? Okay. Um, but, uh, but this is a, uh, more of a ceremonial law. Uh, okay, good, you guys. Okay. But this is more of a ceremonial. <laughs> you guys are still here. Um, but, but this is a ceremonial, uh, ceremonial law, which basically means is this, that, that when you come into the temple to worship God, the law states that there's, there should be no other blood that's in the temple except the blood that is being shed in the sacrifice. And so if a woman is in her period, she is bleeding, so she cannot even come because she's considered unclean. And so if a husband has sex with her, he also cannot come into worship because he's also, gonna be, he's also unclean uh, in regards to the temple ceremonies that they have. And so in a temple, even if you, had a, like if you were bleeding, you, could not, you were considered unclean because you could, you, there was only supposed to be one blood that was shed in the temple. So it's like a ceremonial type of a law. Does that make sense? Uh, Passover... Uh, circumcision, Sabbaths, those are all like ceremonial types of laws. And so we don't really follow them because they were designed for that. And here's the, here's the, the, cool, the, the neat thing about, it, about that is that um, Matthew 5.17 says, Don't think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. That basically means that all these ceremonial things that the Jewish people did, Jesus actually fulfilled all that. So those things are not necessary. That's why we don't have an altar to sacrifice um, cats here. Um, <laughs> you, you watch, before this year ends, I'll, I'll probably have a cat. I mean, that's just how. Um, Mark 7, 18 through 19 says this. He said to them, are you also as lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into stomach and, it, and is eliminated. Thus, he declared all foods clean. So then Jesus even goes a further with the food aspects of it. You shouldn't eat shellfish and, and things with fins or not fins and all this. Stuff. Jesus says, I am cleaning all of that so there are no restrictions on what you eat. 
And we read that, right? And Colossians 2, 16, 16, verse 17, uh, 16 and 17 says this. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in a matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Don't let anyone judge you according to those because these are the shadow of what was to come. The substance is Christ. So all these laws were foreshadowing Jesus. Jesus came, fulfilled all that, and eliminated all of those practices. And we keep going. In Acts, Peter had a dream. If you guys remember, he had a dream with all these unclean animals, and, and God's like, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's like, I've never eaten anything that was unclean, and I'm not going to start right now. And God's like, what are you calling the unclean what I have made clean? So that's the ceremonial laws. Um, Judicial civil laws. These are the laws that were specifically given to the culture and the place of Israelites and encompass all the moral laws except the Ten Commandments. So this includes murder and restitution for a man who was gored by an axe or if, if someone harmed their, you know, their lamb and, and if it was an accident, if it, if it was on purpose. You, you have to understand that there are millions of people in the desert that God has taken out from Egypt, right? And they're all coming together. And if you think some of the laws in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and the Old Testament were like kind of, what kind of laws are there? Have you looked at the laws in America? Have you looked at the laws in America? Did you know that there are states who have a law that says you cannot cross the street on your hands? I'm serious. There are laws. So, 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 so all these laws, stoning people for this, stoning people for that, this was judicial laws that were designed for the Israel people to separate them from other nations. So those laws don't pass on into the new covenant, which leads us to the last one, which is the moral laws. And the moral laws is the laws that translate as ordinances. And this is based on God's holy nature, not just a, an activity or a season of a, of a nation. And these um, ordinances are holy, just, and unchanging. Um, and their purpose is to promote the welfare of those who obey. The value of the laws is considered obvious by reason and common sense. So the moral law encompasses regulations on justice because there is judgment, but, but when people don't like when there's judgment, but judgment is a form of justice. Um, so it's about respect, it's about sexual conduct, and it includes the Ten Commandments. And whether we love, whether uh, when we love one another like Christ loves the church, then we walk into submission of the moral law. So we don't love because we obey, we obey because we love. So there's a big, big, big difference. And we don't, it's not about having getting brownie points. Um, Jesus, Paul, and Peter all repeated the Levitical moral laws, so they still apply in the New Testament. Um, and also the laws on homosexual, beha- uh, of, uh, on homosexual behaviors are also repeated in the New Testament. Um, so I gave you, what we've done so far this morning is I've given you three Old Testament passages that specifically talk about homosexuality. And I hopefully clarified why there seems to be like we're picking and choosing what we follow, what we don't follow. Is, it that, is that pretty clear? And why Jesus can pull from one verse and say, and say the greatest law is this, but then not pull from the verse next to it. So in context, it, it changes what kind of law and what the purpose of, them, of, of it was. And so unfortunately, I cannot go into the New Testament today, which means that I'm going to go into the New Testament next week. And I know... And I know this, this is heavy. <laughs> That's why I asked you guys if you were ready. 
and there's not a really good way to really conclude it except to say to be continued, like a cliffhanger on hashtag controversial conversations. Um, so uh, what I don't want you to do is, is take what you've heard, take what I say, say and say, wow, there was no love in that. All he talked about was Old Testament law. Wow, these people, please, please, we're not done talking about this conversation. I promise, I promise, I promise you that if you come back next week, this is, it's, I think it's going to surprise you because it surprised me when I, whenever I, I went into it one way. And, and, and as I began to explore it, there's a lot of all, like elements to it that God showed me that I want to kind of relate to you guys. But I would just highly encourage you guys, don't miss next week. And if you do, just watch it online uh, so that you can get the full, full picture, the full grasp. And so I'm going to have the band come up so we can kind of end on a song. But I just want to, um, I just, I, maybe I just want to reemphasize that God loves his creation that there is purpose and destiny for each person. Um, and that no matter what you're struggling with, that there are safe places to have a conversation. And that even if you're confused about certain things or, if, or maybe if you're set on certain things, like I promise you, I'm, I'm extending an invitation. I would love to sit down and speak with you and talk with you and hear your heart. Um, it's one thing to be right and lose the relationship and that is not what we're wanting to do. Um, and so we want to love, but we don't want to just love and eliminate truth. We really want to be able to say, let's talk about this truth aspect. Let's talk about the things that we disagree with. Let's, let's see how can we continue in our relationship. Because this, this conversation, this topic, uh, homosexuality, it touches each and every one of us on different levels. It, it's one thing if there, you have a coworker who, who identifies like that. You know, I, I mean, I worked with one, with one for a few years. And so sitting right in, pretty much next to me, she was a lesbian. And, and so you, you cannot just be like, okay, God, I'm going to, you know, kind of like do a little um, kamikaze dive and, and see if she can get saved and see if I can fix her or whatever. There, there, I understand there's deeper than just, you know, Oh, it's deeper than what a lot of people may think when it comes down to this topic. You know, just quit doing it. Stop it. You know, become a man. Become a woman. Like, stop it. And so we, and I, and I just want to apologize again for the way that churches and Christians um, approach this topic. And I hope that I've, I've done some justice as we started talking about this, this whole thing. So I have to ask this question. You have to be super, super honest with me. Who's coming back next week? All right. That's, that's you know, 20%. Um, no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Uh, let me pray. Father, I, I thank you, God, that, um, that, that you're good. God, I thank you that you understand the depth of each person individually, the things that we're struggling with, the questions that we have, the, the questions that we have, the, the life and the choices that maybe we have made that no one knows about, maybe the decisions and choices that other people have made and they maybe have sinned against us, maybe are some things in our childhood, Father, maybe being bullied in school, maybe, maybe just all sorts of body image, you know, um, shaming and all sorts of different things, different things, God, that we cannot just go out and, and share with people, God, but you know the depth of each and every person, Father. And I just, I just ask you that, that, that you just kind of lavish your love on each and every person this morning. Let it penetrate all ideologies, all thought patterns, all conclusions, all frustrations, God, I just pray and I just ask that your spirit just wraps us in love because you're a good God. In Jesus' name.